Now on 89.9 The Light, this is In Conversation with Clayton. Positive Radio. You can ask your questions as well during In Community Conversation. We've got one hour left and we have got a really special guest for you, Dr. Paul Beaver. He is a man who is distinguished in the field of nutrigenomics. It is uh, around the idea of how food impacts our health. We want to talk not just food, we want to talk faith, how that impacts our immune systems as well. Uh, Dr. Paul is uh, one of the few people, in fact, one of only four Australians who have ever received the Gussie Peace Prize. This is, in essence, uh, I suppose, the the Asian version of the Nobel Peace Prize, and it is quite an honourable thing to achieve. He has helped so many people around this world for a whole host of various issues, whether it's blood pressure, whether it's type 2 diabetes or depression or a whole list of things goes on. He's been working with those around the world as well during this time of COVID-19 and the crisis. So you can ask your questions of Dr. Paul. He's going to be with us for the hour. Any question you'd like, you can get that through on the text 0428 899 899 or you can phone through 1300 777 899. Dr. Paul with us next. In conversation with Clayton. 89.9 The Light. This is In Community Conversation with Clayton. Your questions on 1300 777 899 or 0428 899 899. Joining me on the line is Dr. Paul Beaver. Uh, Paul, it's wonderful to have you with us this evening. Thanks so much for your time. Well, thank you for the privilege uh, to just get the message out there and uh, really appreciate the opportunity. Now, a few questions that I have for you, first of all, uh, too, Paul, is that I, I do understand, you know, we said Dr. Paul Beaver, you're, you're not a medical doctor in one sense, but you are the, the person who trains the doctors. Is that correct? Could you explain how that works? That's correct. Well, basically, uh, just a bit of a background. I was studying engineering, 1978, life's great, our family doctor dropped a bombshell that Dad had cancer and would be dead. Um, he was 52, would be dead in three months. Um, it was a bit of a shock. We were a family of long livers, you know, 84, my grandfather, great-grandfather, 99. Eight years later, my wife gave birth to our daughter, cuddled my daughter, cuddled my wife, and I walked five minutes out of the delivery room and our family doctor dropped another bombshell. He said, go to the Raven Hospital. Your mum's got a cancerous growth the size of a rock and she'll be dead in three months. Mm. So I went from life to death in 30 minutes. And that's where I got the, my purpose in life was 15th of August, 1987. I realised we could keep people alive. We couldn't keep people healthy. And we've got the best medicine. What are we missing? And that was against my faith of life and life in abundance. So I spent the next 20 years trying to figure out. As a, and it kept coming, coming back to our genes. So I then found that my genes weren't my destiny. I did not have to die of cancer like mum and dad that I could change the signal that the gene sent out and improve my health and well-being. So in 2006, I found about the science of nutrigenomics, that you can change the signal that your genes in your body send out to control, how much your arteries contract, uh, how you uh, break down fat and so forth. But you could use natural nutrients to reset the genes. So in the last uh, 2006, I've trained about 1,200 um specialists from around the world, you know, cardiologists, orthopedic surgeons, gynecologists. Um, I've trained uh, medical practitioners, uh, nutritionists, naturopaths in how to use this new science. So even though I'm not a medically qualified doctor, I've spent the last 20, 30 years in this area. And that's why I was recognised with the Asian equivalent of the Nobel Peace Prize for this pioneering work. So 
I'm not a medical doctor, so I, if there's anyone with any questions, I can't talk about specifics on that. However, I can talk about uh, some of the principles around nutrition that the scientific research has shown can help reduce the risk of cardiovascular events and that are related to COVID. So I just want to yes. clarify that up front for yeah. you. That's wonderful. And when we are talking about your study, it really is, uh, is it mostly around how food can help us change that sort of genome way that it's working? Is it food-based mostly? Is it vitamins? Is it What nutrition. sort of areas does it go? Yeah, But it covers nutrition, exercise and lifestyle. Yeah. Um, you can, the medical profession looks at uh, medications that can change. For example, you might have heard a lot about the COVID and the ACE2 gene. Um, so there are medications. That's what the whole field of medicine is about. However, what I found was to go back to nutrition, exercise and lifestyle interventions. So uh, of all the doctors who have trained all around the world, nutritionists, naturopaths, they're using nutrition to ch reset the signals. So the genes you get from your mum and your dad, you can't change that. God love them. That's like makes you, Clayton, the unique person you are. Me, the unique person I am. However, we can get variations in our genes and it's the interaction of those variations with the food we put in our mouth, how we exercise and lifestyle choices. Um, for example, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of the listeners that if they have a cup of coffee after two o'clock in the afternoon, they are wide-eyed and bushy-tailed all night because there's a gene that controls how you metabolise coffee. And if you've got the variation, you're a slow metaboliser, uh, therefore it affects you. Um, with regard to, say, COVID or cardiovascular health, there's genes that control how much your arteries expand, contract and expand. If you've got the variation in your gene, it may not have an impact until you, you have an impact that your nutrition, exercise and lifestyle, maybe you're a little bit slack on that choices you make. For example, if you have too much salt in your diet, it will affect some people more than others. So it's the nutrition that's resets it. So it's nutrition and genomics, but it goes to the type of exercise, uh, it goes to lifestyle, it, like the amount of sleep that you get, uh, smoking, uh, stress has a huge impact on setting the gene. In the essence, they're a bit like a dimmer switch, a light switch, and you can dial it up or dial it down on the current lifestyle choices. The stress levels you're under, the lack of sleep, they all have an impact on the, the gene, whether it switches up or down. Yeah. Uh, and is the the best way to understand our own sort of you know genes in that sense? Is there a, a way to say, look, you know, here's a here's a scan, and it sort of scans through and says, well, you've got the the slow metabolizing coffee gene, and these. Yeah. I, I understand they're hugely expensive. Is there a way that that actually could happen for people? How does that work? Oh, we're doing that now. I've been doing it for the last twelve since two thousand six. So you can get genetic profiles done around different pathways now. When we started, we were the pioneers back in 2006 um, when my wife and I first started the company. Um, but I've looked at it from a, an engineering systems biology approach, um, and that's what is unique in that um, it's all about cell health. To me, if you look at a building, it's only as, as good as the basic elements of the building. And it's no different with our body. It all gets down to cell health. If we have healthy cells in our body, and that, that it depends on getting the right nutrition, the right hydration, the glucose into our into the cell and the oxygen and then getting the toxins out. And then it depends on then making sure that the genes that you got from your mum and your dad are sending out the right signal to control, you know, your arteries, the amount of inflammation and things like that. So 
it's you can test it, but it's a systems biology approach, and it's the methodology that I've developed by working with some of the top doctors and cardiologists in the world over the last ten years. So, I call it translational research. Well, I look at the science, the complex science around, say, nutrigenetics, nutrigenomics, and all these other omics. I then look at it and bring it down to practical, simple terms that the doctors can actually use, and that's the difference. It's a translational uh, research thing. Yeah. So, yes, they are available, but there's a lot of shonky things out there um, telling you about how good you'll be at playing a piano. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> we call it we call it entertainment gene genetics. So, just if anyone's out, just be very aware that you're getting a reputable company was based on solid science yes. as well. So if I'm looking for sort of this idea of, okay, I, I want to be better in this space as, as well, do, do I need to, to go to a, the nth degree of trying to get my whole genome mapped or, or are there simple things that I actually no, step into as I start? Not, not necessarily. Uh, the essence of mastery is simplicity and, um, and this is why the work that we're doing currently with the uh, people in New York, we're just finalising and I've got a medical advisor in England. Um, I've got our medical director for 3P Healthcare in New Zealand. Um, we're working with the largest Maori tribe around cardiovascular health. And the reason that we focused on cardiovascular health is that it underpins everything that we do. So it's about healthy living and healthy ageing. It's not about trying to uh, you know, predict and diagnose diseases. Because um, as I said, healthy cell, healthy tissue, healthy tissue, healthy organ, healthy organ, healthy body. And and the doctors that have flown out, I've had some of the top cardiologists flown out to be trained for a two-day workshop. And they said, thank God you're an engineer. You think in terms of systems and processes. And that's all the body is. It's a system and a process. And if you look at, for example, cardiovascular disease, at current, currently best practice medicine can only identify 50% of people that will have a, a cardiovascular event. Um, and that's only 50%. And the reason being is that the traditional methodologies work on five risk factors around BMI, around cholesterol. Well, there's actually about 395 assaults on our cardiovascular system in today's environment and our complex lifestyle. And yet there's only three responses from our body. It causes inflammation, which is what happens to fight infection or, you know, if you twist your, your knee or cut your finger, you know, you, you, your body goes, like, fights that and you, your hands might come or the injury gets red um, and swells and then heats up and then in a few days should go away. So that's acute. But if it becomes chronic and hangs around for year after year, that's a problem. So we can get inflammation in the arteries, we get free radical damage and affects our immune system. So 395 clinically pr proven assaults on the body and three finite responses, inflammation, free radicals like if you cut an apple, it goes brown, or our immune system. And that's why there's such a strong correlation between our cardiovascular health and COVID-19. Mm. We're going to so we can't fix it before. Yeah, we're going to explore that more with uh, Paul in just a couple of minutes' time and take your questions as well. You can text through on 0428 899 899 and you can phone through those questions. one 899 here on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. 89.9 The Light. This is Positive Radio in Community Conversation with Clayton. And joining me is Paul Beaver. Uh, we've been talking to him already today about the remarkable work that he does in nutrigenomics. I, I'm always worried I'm going to say that slightly wrong, Paul, because it is a little bit of a tongue twister as you, you get around that each time. Yeah. But we are talking... Yeah. Uh, 
the, the remarkable impact that food and nutrition exercise can have on the you know the, the genes that we have and and how that then plays out in our health if that's fair sort of summary from a layman's terms absolutely absolutely yeah we've got a couple of questions coming your way as as well um angie says has there been any significant research undertaken in reference to increased vitamin d intake assisting resistance to covid19 you've been doing a lot of work with those who are fighting covid19 your response to that paul well it's not the vitamin d per se um Eight years ago, we got a federal government grant and we did some work with autism. These are different doctors. And what we found is that on each of our cells in our body, we have these receptors which allow the vitamin D to get into the, into the cell. And what we found that this work was done, was done through uh, association with La Trobe University as well and a, a good friend, uh, Professor Chi Kai Chan. And we found that the children with autism, the children, uh, they had faulty, the receptors were faulty and they weren't letting the vitamin D get into the cells. And so you could give more and more vitamin D, but if it's not getting into the cell, it's not doing what it's meant to do. But what we found is there's a, a nutrient in cruciferous vegetables called uh, uh, sulforaphane. And what that does, it opens up the cell and then lets the um, vitamin D, the active form, get into the cells. And we saw some remarkable things both uh, in that autism study. We've seen it with the heart, with uh, cardiovascular right across the board. So it's a matter of making sure that the vitamin D you get into the skin and then can go into the cells. So, yes, there are natural ingredients. But if you just keep putting more and more vitamin D, if it doesn't get through, it's not having an effect. So there's that balance. So vitamin D does have an impact on um, your cardiovascular health. It has an effect on your cognitive. It has an effect on... Your whole autoimmune system, in fact, um, as well. And a lot of research has been done out of the John Hopkins University as well around that. So, yes, vitamin D, I absolutely... The sun, we get 80% of our vitamin D from the sun and, you know, you can take it. So, yes, it does help. And um, there's meta-analysis out there as well in it. Wonderful stuff. We've got Eli on the line as well, uh, wanting a question with uh, Paul. You're on with Paul Beaver. Eli, go for it. Thank you. Thank you, Clayton. Uh, Paul, look, um, uh, my doctor just recently has got into more, well, for want of a better word, natural or, or supplement-type me- uh, medication to supplement his, the tr- his treatment that he's using with the regular medication. Um, but I, 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 I notice there's more and more doctors seem to be doing this, but in the past it was always frowned on by a lot of the medical fraternity as just a, a, a money-making gimmick. Is there still that sort of mentality or has there been a real genuine interest because I'm particularly interested in this. I mean, you know, God made us out of out of um, out of the food that we eat, you know, and and the supplements and things um, are basically, you know, more concentrated forms of some of that. So I suppose the question is: Is the medical profession or are the ones that are teaching them still got that same mindset, or has there been a real change in in um, in their thoughts? Uh, and I know you, you'd be educating them, obviously, um, but has there been a real change in, in their thinking? Uh, towards um, supplements as, as a treatment rather than um, just as a, um, you know, as a waste of time. Yes, there's, there's been, a, the, for the last 20 years, that's what I've been, why I've kept low profile and make sure everything I do is evidence-based. Um, there are more and more doctors coming around. Uh, they're called functional doctors or integrative doctors. Um, and they're, as I said, the 1,200. Of the people I've trained, I've even trained uh, dentists are looking nutritional dentists nutritional psychologists so there's this great groundswell coming through 
Um, unfortunately, there are a lot of um, research out there, uh, products that are not evidence-based. Um, number one, uh, there's people where the commercial gains cut corners, number one. But one of the important things is in the area of nutrigenomics, it depends on the dose. So, for example, omega-3 has a huge impact on our, cardiovas on our cardiovascular system, yet some of the research says, oh, it doesn't do anything. Well, you have to get above two grams of what's called EPA, DHA to have a nutrigenomic effect. So it depends whether you're taking it as, you know, as a cofactor or, or as a nutritional or you're trying to get a nutrigenomic effect. And they're, they're two different things. So um, the answer is yes. Thankfully, after 20 years, we're seeing this change come on board where people are taking it if it's evidence-based. Um, the exciting thing too is uh, Dr. Chikai, my good friend, um, where our goal was to look at a lot of what traditional Chinese medicine can actually be having a nutrigenomic effect. Now, there may not be clinical trials. It's just after, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years they found it, um, that these work. And so there's a whole area. So, yes, to answer your question, we are starting to see that. And they're the people that are coming to work with us. Um, and with the, It's like the medical uh, advisor in America. He's the... Chief Medical Officer of one of the biggest hospitals right in the heart of this COVID. Uh, I've got the a medical advisor for, for 3P Healthcare in England. He was the head of the biggest healthcare company in New Zealand. So they're all, now that I've been not recognised on the global stage, I'm finding these people are coming. So there's thankfully a change. And we're not saying that we shouldn't be having traditional medicine. There's a place for it. But, um, to, you know, if you can change the signal of gene send out using nutritional interventions no if time uh, permits i'll talk about some of the ones around our cardiovascular system to help minimize the potential risk if we do get infected of severe outcomes so yes it is fortunately starting to change thank you so much eli you can also get your call in with paul one three hundred triple seven. 899 or you can text through on 0428-899-899. Have you been noticing um, sort of from that uh, genetic side of things, Paul, uh, are there people who are sort of being more susceptible to COVID-19 or those who are perhaps coping better with it? We're, we're hearing sort of more generally in the media that, you know, those obviously over 60 and 65 are, are, are more susceptible to the effects and, and, and far more of those are dying from COVID-19. But is there a genetic uh, sort of uh, mapping that you're seeing as well? Well, the work that we've done, uh, we've just been invited to apply for an Australian government grant. We're actually putting the application in right now. It's called a COVID-19 Rapid Response Funding Round from the Australian government. And, and what we're finding is, and this has just been published by the uh, Medical Journal of Australia on the 3rd of April, and it's talking about cardiovascular disease and COVID-19, the Australian-New Zealand consensus statement. And so what is the risk factors are hypertension, male, if you're over 60, uh, diabetes, uh, having respiratory problems. These are risk factors. Now, I'm 66 in a few weeks. I'm a male. And yet all of my cardiovascular metrics are down. And one of the critical uh, things that has shown up in the research that came out from Wuhan was they looked at 45,000 people infected and they found that they had elevated uh, levels of these proteins called IL-6, um, IL-110, FLFA. Now, these are proteins associated with their inflammation and immune response. So they're like small proteins. So, if I can, so genetically, some people would produce more inflammation than others, but 
if you're making the right nutrition, exercise and lifestyle choices, the genes are not having an adverse effect on you. And this is why we're working in New York and we're doing the same thing uh, in uh, England. We're just looking, everything's shut down. And uh, so I think summing up inflammation, um, I think everyone will have twisted a knee, cut a finger or been stung by an insect. And you'll have a first-hand experience of inflammation. Yeah, you've got the pain, the redness, the swelling, the heat. And that's the body's survival mechanism to repair the tissue and get your body back into balance. Now, it should only last for a little while, you know, a few days. But unfortunately, in today's um, environment, the environmental factors are affecting the genes around inflammation. And we can finish up with um, what's called chronic inflammation. It's inflammation that stays around for a long time. We finish up with arthritis. We get stiff and achy joints. Um, we get inflammation goes in the arteries and we get hardening of the arteries, which puts our blood pressure up. So these are all major risk factors for COVID-19. So the project that we're currently just finalising with a major hospital in Uptown, New York, um, is to take a couple of hundred of the people that have been infected with COVID and look at how we can identify the potential response. Because I've developed an algorithm over the last couple of years using simple metrics to identify people's uh, cardiovascular health. And it maps beautifully across to all the risk factors for COVID. So that's what we're negotiating right now to prove it. Um, so yes, genetically, some people will respond. If your blood pressure's up, if you've got a lot of these inflammatory proteins that we call I1, I6, you're more at risk. And so what we're doing, in, in um, as I said, in uh, upstate New York is to look at the screen these people on these simple metrics with my algorithm and my methodology and look at those that were on a ventilator that died, look at those that weren't on a ventilator uh, and look at those that had no effect. And the reason that we're working in, in New York is with a medical advisor over there, they're getting three people in the one family dying. They're picking up people in ambulance. They think they've got a problem. They're dead when they get to the hospital. Mm. It is a major war zone. And I thank God that we live in Australia yeah. and that people say, oh, I haven't seen it. You don't want to see it. The stories I'm hearing out of from these medical directors in New York, it is something we don't want here. No. So there is genetics and we're looking to look at that signature, but it's really a, a socioeconomic. It's the, um, just to put it in perspective, in New York, the African-Americans are getting infected at a rate of 300% more than the whites. Mm. They're dying at a rate of 600% higher than the whites. And it is purely the environment interacting with their genes. In England, it's not quite as bad. They have what they call the BAME, the Black Asian Minority Ethnicity. The blacks in America are dying at a 460% higher rate. The Asians, the Indians and the Pakistanis are dying at a 250% rate mm. higher. So this is the work we're doing there because it's the gene environment. If you have the wrong environment, the, the pollution and different things, it sends the, your genes, the signals yeah. the wrong way. So, so you, you, if I'm sort of converting that into a, a layman's understanding as yeah. well, that we, we're not saying that, that the initial genes are wrong, we're saying the environment right. which is now impacting the genes is what yeah. is the, the cause. That's to... exactly right. Yeah. And that's what I had. So for the 20, after I, my mother was diagnosed with cancer, uh, everyone said, aren't you worried you'd be dead of cancer like your mum and your dad? And I've outlived my dad by 14 years. Yeah. And I've got a roadmap that I can, I know where my genetic vulnerabilities are. That, uh, yeah. And so, yes, it, it's important. It's the environment. It's the carbohydrates, the things that 
put people more at risk of COVID is if you're eating too many carbohydrates and too much sugar in your diet, too much salt. So there's things that are sending the signal from the genes the wrong way. Uh, but the exciting thing is you can reset that. So yeah. your genes are not your destiny. I'm living proof to that. Yeah. Paul Beaver, the founder and director at 3P Healthcare, also winner of the Goosey Peace Prize, is my special guest this evening. You can give him a call on 1300 777 899 or you can text through 0428 899 899 as we talk about nutrition, food, exercise and the impact that that has on our genes and specifically as we're going through COVID as well. We're also going to talk about faith and our immune system. How do they mix together with Paul on the way next here? On the light. Now on 89.9 The Light, this is In Conversation with Clayton. Positive Radio. That it is. It is wonderful to be with you as we go through the founder and director at uh, the 3P Healthcare is Paul Beaver. He is my special guest this evening. It is wonderful having a chat with him as we talk about nutrigenomics, the impact on nutrition, exercise, uh, food on our being, on our genes and how that then impacts our health and as we go forward, especially during COVID-19. Uh, we are getting a few more questions coming through as well on the text 0428 899 You were talking a bit earlier on uh, about vitamin D in the body and the receptors and how we've got to make sure we have some of the right vegetables and somebody's asked, uh, could you name actually some of those vegetables that help us absorb that vitamin D? Uh, Paul? So it's basically anything in the cruciferous um, family and you know, broccoli is the the main one that'll come up, yeah, green leafy vegetables as you know, well. So, but it, it's a, a substance that's called sulforaphane. So, broccoli is the best, and maybe three serves a week, as long as you don't microwave uh, the broccoli, steam, you know, cook it too hard because you can destroy that part of it. So, excellent. All right, wonderful stuff. We've got another question uh, coming through saying you have mentioned a couple of times that uh, you know with the right nutrition and the right sort of things that we can reset our genes. Um, how do we actually go about doing that is one of the questions that we've come through and maybe that's a bit too big, broad just for a couple of moments here. But um, it, when you say reset our genes, what are you meaning from that perspective? Well, basically, we have uh, genes in our body control how our body functions every, and they're in the cells. So there might be genes around, for example, you talk about your cardiovascular health. And you might be getting maybe too much free radical damage in the arteries. You might be getting too much inflammation, you know, than what you've got. But by having uh, foods that are nitrate-rich foods, for example, green leafy vegetables, spinach, beetroot, silver beet, they're really good to help the uh, change the signal that the genes send out around your heart and your arteries. So it's about, as I said, if you just, just think about your genes being like a dimmer switch and what that's the software. So your gene is the hardware mm. and the signal it sends out the software. So you can change the software by the nutrition. That's what nutritional and genomics, how they two come together. Yeah, excellent. You can ask your question, the text line 0428 899 899. Now, Paul, we also want to talk about uh, faith and our bodies. Um, from your perspective, you're a man who I know uh, it says absolutely, you know, I, I, I'm a Christian. I, I have a deep sense of faith. And, you know, often some people sort of say, look, isn't science and, 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 and faith sort of opposite to each other? But for you, that's been an experience that it, actually they've, they've come together in a remarkable story, right? 
Absolutely. Um, I started, well, when I was uh, four years old, uh, I nearly drowned. I went down in the dark tunnel to the bright light down just in front of Mordialic Life Saving Club. And thank God for the lifesavers there. They were able to mouth, mouth and pump my heart. And I came back from the, the, the bright light. Um, and then I, I survived a, a massive car crash. I had some gentleman that was drunk doing 170 kilometres, 60 kilometres an hour. Hit, I was on the highway in Tasmania doing 110, head on basically at 260 kilometres per hour, through his V8 motor 150 metres down the road. And so I survived a few things like that. So I always knew there was something there. And uh, the more I researched, the more it showed me that, um, yeah, there's an underlying another something out there, but I couldn't figure out what it was. And I spoke to a very good friend of ours. I said, why, why are you Christian? And he said, basically... When you look at the science, it takes more faith not to believe that there's a God or a creator than it does to believe. And the more I've looked at the science, the more I, it points to that we were created. We weren't just an accident. And I think it helps being an engineer that the everything in engineering is based on the second law of thermodynamics. Now, don't worry about what it means. What it says is everything left to its own devices goes from a state of order to disorder. Nothing goes the other way. If I leave my house, we don't live in it. Uh, a matter of time, it just disintegrates. So I had to go and come in from a scientific point of view into the stage that I started having a different experiences. And everyone's faith journey is different. And uh, then if you want to talk about our faith and our health from a scientific point of view, in 2012, there was over 7,000 scientific articles published about how our faith impacts our health. Now, that doubles every six years, so it's probably eighteen to 20,000 articles now. And I'll talk about intrinsic faith. It, it's defined as regular attendance at a place of worship with fellow believers, regular reading of sacred scriptures, but more importantly, integrating it in, as an integral part of your life. Uh, so the science is out there. It's just incredible. And if you look at, with regard to COVID, which I was very interested about, with the immune system, they found that... Um, the impact on the immune system is, if you're a person of faith, is very high. So this is all scientifically proven. This, they did it with HIV people. They looked at the research on people, uh, the risk of dying from heart disease. Um, the solid science shows that people of faith have a 60% reduced risk of dying of heart disease if you're men, mm. 50% if you're women of a heart. And if you have to go in for a cardiac surgery, people of faith have 1,400% low likelihood of dying if faith, and they can live up to seven years longer. I can talk about the effect of on mental health, on chronic pain, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, wars, acts of terror. I can talk about wellness, emotional, hope, optimism. Uh, it also affects people's healthy behaviour. Um, Christian, people of faith are less likely to smoke, exercise more. But the one that did surprise me was uh, people of faith are more likely to be slightly heavier than non-faith and what the research found that even though people of faith tend to eat healthier they tend to eat more than non-people of faith so the good news is faith-based weight reduction programs actually work so i looked at all the things i said cardiovascular disease um, the risk of stroke and all that and the, the science is overwhelming but i can want to make one point though is the research can't prove about a supernatural mechanism such as the Holy Spirit or whatever. Uh, what you can look at is the, the effect that people of faith affect, how it affects their 
behaviour, environment, how it affects their psychological and physiological outcomes. So it's looking at the associations, but it's very strong. But what I believe is happening is when you have faith, it actually has an effect on the the genes, like a nutrigenomic effect, that it can affect the gene up or down. So it's all the sciences there. So after 25 years as, uh, as a scientific research and a Christian, I think that our faith at a time like this is as important as good hygiene practices and looking after our own diet. And it's not, it doesn't give you a get out of jail so then go and eat whatever you want just because you say I'm a person of faith. No, we then have to eat the right things and, and so forth. Yes. So it's a combination of faith, good health, hygiene and diet at a time like this. Has there been any research into actually, you know, as you said, you know, nutrigenomic sort of approach? You can see the sort of some impact through the geno- the genes there. Has there been any studies around the faith aspect and the impact on genes in that? You know, obviously we've you've you've seen the studies that are the outcomes, but is there any anything that actually sees the genes and what they're doing? Well, what it does, it measures the the when you look at these proteins, like I mentioned, this IL six. Uh, it's the byproduct of what the genes send out. So they've done the research on that, and they've found that the people of faith have much lower of this IL-6, which is uh, associated with COVID. When, it, when, they, when you get too much of it, they call it a cytokine storm. So uh, there hasn't been done on the genetics per se, but when they looked at the IL-6, they even looked at different uh, people of faith, um, methods of worship, and they saw it that had a different effect on the output. So it's not done exactly on the genes as far as I know to date but they're looking at the byproduct of what the gene sends out if that makes sense yeah we're going to be back in just a, a moment uh, with our, your final opportunity to ask Paul Beaver a question 0428 899 uh, Paul is the founder and director at 3P Healthcare and uh, has won the Goosey Peace Prize for his work in nutrigenomics. We're going to be talking a little bit more about that, uh, you know, link between faith and fear as well. Uh, and I know that uh, Paul has very much had a heart for that. In fact, put out a paper around that recently too. But your questions also, 0428 899 In conversation with Clayton. This is 89.9 The Light Positive Radio. You're in conversation with Clayton this evening and my special guest is Paul Beaver. He is a man who is the founder and director at 3P Healthcare. He is uh, one of the absolute experts around this world on nutrigenomics, the impact of the fact of nutrition and exercise and food on who we are, our genetic makeup as well. We've been talking a whole lot about that, Paul, but we've also been talking about faith and the impact that faith has on our beings, both not just our spiritual beings, but our physical, emotional and mental as well. I know that recently you just put out a a one-page sort of presentation thought starter, I suppose, in a sense, around um, faith over fear during this time of COVID-19. Could I'd just love to spend a couple of minutes on that. Could you take us through what was the reason for you to say, look, I just want to get this out, my thoughts out there? Well, the reason I got it out was that I was absolutely horrified when I saw the people stockpiling toilet paper and things like this um, when it was first announced. And I'm sure statistically a lot of those were people of faith of Christians and other faiths. And I just came to me that I had to write something to get out there. And I, what came was 1 Corinthians 13, 13. It's the scripture that's used at weddings. Uh, it was written over 2,000 years ago, uh, about 2,000 years ago. And it just says, but now faith, hope and love abide in these, but the greatest of these is love. 
Why? Because love never fails. And I just, on that day when I saw that television programs, I said, I'm going to choose faith over fear. I'm going to choose hope over despair. I'm going to choose love over hate. And I just made it on that day. I said, I refuse to let fear and despair make me so self-centered and selfish that I'd example stockpile toilet paper and food that I don't need right now at the expense of the poor, the needy and the disadvantaged. And I just just felt that I had to choose, stay focused on the three simple and very powerful words, you know, faith, hope and love, which is backed up by the sciences with what we've been talking about today. And then if we focus on those things, not only are we improving our own health, we're changing, as I said, what this session's been about, the impact it has on reducing our risk if we do get infected of the severity. Um, and I just chose to focus as one of the people on the internet said, uh, uh, I wish there's a pandemic of kindness. Yeah. And so with Randall Jackson, Costa, that's why I put this all together, that, you know, our faith is the scientific evidence that, you know, and fortunately I think that there's been a lot of wonderful acts of kindness that have come out, not only the bushfires, but of this, but I just, that was the tipping point for me, for me to write that document to get out as many Christians as I, or people of faith that I could. And I think this is the, the thing too, isn't it, that, um, when we choose faith over fear, and they're two very key words, I think, too, that um, it actually strengthens so many parts of us. We, we've been talking a lot about the, the physical part, but as we mentioned, um, you know, it, it allows us to look at the, this world in a different way. And, and emotionally, we can change ourselves, which ultimately then helps physically and uh, spiritually and all sorts of things, too. But an actual choice like that to say, look, I'm going to put someone else ahead of my needs or, or even, you know, in this instance, as you described, it's not even the needs, it's just the, the abundance of worry um, to say, actually put someone else there, I'm going to look after someone else, I'm going to think about something in a different way, actually takes a burden of worry off and takes all these various things around. It, it's, it's such a dramatic moment in one sense and, it, and it's such a, a, an obvious moment in another. Absolutely. Because not only is it helping our own physical health and well-being, which is what all of these scientific papers, these 14 to 18,000 scientific papers are showing. But it helps us mentally, it helps our spiritual being, it helps our purpose in life, our meaning in life, our self-esteem. And I just find that I just get every day and I just thank God for the blessings that we live in Australia. The stories with these people in New York that I'm hearing mm. um, in England, it is heartbreaking. And i just just so thankful every day for what we've got. And I think that we have to, you know, choose faith over, uh, faith over fear and hope yeah. over fear and love over hate and think, what am I learning about this? Yeah. Um, Paul, we've got uh, one minute to go before we uh, head into a bigger questions here on 89.9 The Light. But uh, we've got uh, another question that has come through on the text saying, uh, as we mentioned at the start, you're the one that sort of trains the uh, the doctors around this. But if someone's wanting to explore a bit more about nutrigenomics, is there are there places they can actually go? Can you just sort of rock up at your doctor and ask? Or is there certain areas you need no, to go? To? What, what I found 10 years ago was it was uh, being thrown out into the marketplace that was being used to sell supplements and weight loss shakes, and that's not what it was mean. So the other company I co-founded was called Fit Genes uh, Proprietary Limited. So we have... Fit Genes accredited practitioners uh, around Australia, more so, probably more overseas, which is funny, New Zealand, Malaysia, America, and so forth. Um, so um, that's where you can find a Fit Genes accredited practitioner uh, and look at there um, on the website. So that was the company I co-founded. And then the cardiovascular and what I'm doing in uh, with COVID is through my new company, 3P Healthcare. Now, you won't find a lot of information about 3P Healthcare on the website. We've kept 
we, I just like to keep a low profile about things and, uh, yeah, just go about my way and do what I do and with minimal or fuss. So we, we just... Because when you're talking about COVID, there's um, a lot of people trying to be opportunistic. And as I said, we've just put in... We're invited for an Australian government grant. We're getting this project in New York about one of the hospitals over there to try and work with the marginalised and the disadvantaged. So, yes, uh, but we I trained the people so they knew what they were doing rather than just jumping on the website and... Um, yeah. Well, Paul, it has been an absolute pleasure to have a chat with you this evening. We thank you for all the work that you have done, for the care, for the inspiration, as well as a bit of the challenge that has come through as we've chatted today as well. Thank you again for your time this evening. No worries. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Paul Beaver, my special guest here on In Conversation.